as bad as the turnout was with that handyman company, I mean, I'm, I'm blessed and I'm, I'm glad that I went that route so that I'm not, you know, disappointing my kids, my family. What's the biggest lesson you had to unlearn? Limitations. Okay. And that, that's a simple one. Happy Monday, everybody. I hope you guys enjoyed your weekend. I know that I did. Shout out to the Utah State Fair because they absolutely put on a show, man. They crushed it. If you haven't been, you guys got to go. But uh, without further ado, let me get rid of some of this housekeeping. If you guys haven't signed up for the newsletter at daltonkjensen.com, go there. Please sign up. The second edition went out today. So you really don't want to miss any more editions. It's Mentality Monday. I want to get your mind right with some good reading. And then I want to get your your brain right and your soul right with some really good listening. And that leads perfectly into my guest for today. John Feldman is the CEO of Visionary Literary and the CEO of the financial literacy app, Greengrass. And we had a fantastic conversation about starting a business and coming, you know, starting and then failing and coming back. And uh, he has a beautiful story, one that we can all learn from. And I hope you guys do follow me on Twitter, DaltonKJensen.com. And with all that being said, please welcome John Feldman to the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome, everybody. This is Dalton Jensen, and you're tuning into The Thinking Project. Cool. We're live, man. Thanks for uh, joining me, John. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I really appreciate being here. I've listened to several of your episodes and, uh, you know, love the idea. So, Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I... Uh, it's been a wild ride, man. But I want to um, I, I was really interested to meet with you because you have two big I mean, you're the founder of two big companies that I think are pretty interesting. Uh, Green Grasp, which is like a financial literacy app. Right. Right. And uh, and visionary. Oh, geez. Is literary. What, is, what? Visionary literary. Yeah, that's, that's right. Visionary literary. I was like, yeah. oh, dude, I'm missing something. And that's a that's a nonfiction publishing company like book publishing company. Correct. So ghostwriting and publishing. Oh, no way. That's yeah. insane. So there's two of them. I always just like to start one at a time. So tell me about Green Grasp and financial literacy and how that all came about. Take me back to the beginning. Uh, so in 2017, I left a, a job that was paying me well um, to, to go on this entrepreneurial journey. Um, and in January of 2018, uh, a new I tried to start a handyman company. Um, January 2018, the truck was repossessed. Um, I had made, I profited $600 in a matter of six months. Uh, I was, yeah, just going back. Like I'm come from middle class family, college graduate, uh, but I, I had, I've never learned anything about finance. Um, yeah. It was embarrassing. I was, you know, married with kids, and my kids are watching me as, um, you know, as, as the truck's going away, and just wanted to kind of climb under a rock. Uh, so you know, I vowed that that's not going to happen again over the next, I don't know, 18 months. Uh, it was just constant reading, researching, learning. And the more that I would speak with friends and family members, the, the things, the basics of financial literacy were just beyond their, their comprehension. Um, so it just came to me in, in about 2019 um, that I was actually, I was, I was on Duolingo on my phone doing that thing where you know, every two weeks I say, I want to learn a, a new language and then it goes <laughs> two months. But, um, I just thought like, why, why can't there be something like this for, for the basics of 
financial literacy. Um, and then, so that journey began uh, several different concepts, um, fundraising, things of that nature. Uh, and we are, we're finally um, within the next few weeks uh, ready to release like our first real, we'll say non-beta um, version of the app, which I'm, I'm really excited about. So it's got that, that, that Duolingo feel to it. Um, cool. Yeah. And, and so we're really excited. It's just, there's a wealth gap, obviously, in the U.S. Right. We all know this, um, but someone, uh, a client that I'd written for said that there's not really a wealth gap. It's a knowledge gap. And I love that. So yeah. we want to try to close that knowledge gap. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I don't disagree with that at all. You yeah. know what I mean? Because it, it is about, you know, it, it is about what you know, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to money and like accounting and especially and just personal stuff. Because here's my big problem with like, uh, like finance gurus. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Right. Uh, and that is, and that is, they try to blur the line between like, um, personal finance and business finance. Right. right. And those, and those are pretty different, like significantly, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so people get caught up in like trying to run their personal finances, like a business. And that doesn't always work sometimes. Like you got to start with like basics. So I'm curious for you, like what, what basic building blocks do you, teach in financial literacy? So a lot of it's just terminology, right? Yeah. So like you said that their business and, and, and finance uh, and personal finance can, I mean, they tie in together. Yeah. Yeah. Like for me having a balance sheet, right? Like when I started my first business, my handyman business, <laughs> I went off of, I worked for a guy in college who drove around in a truck and did jobs. Like I, I didn't, I didn't have a balance sheet. I figured if I go do this job, I'll collect some money and everything will work out. Obviously it did. Um, but just simple things, simple terms, terminology. Um, yeah. But like you said too, there are a lot of personal finance gurus and we, we put air quotes in there, but they like, they speak to people, you know, Twitter and, and, and Instagram, like they speak as if they're speaking to someone that's on their knowledge level. Mm-hmm. Right. And I yeah. just, I want to take a step back. Like, like I said, I'm college educated right and and my friends are and these are people that had never heard of some of the terms so i just kind of want to take a step back and and start from the basics um and you know allow the user to like work their way up to that level of knowledge to where they feel like okay this isn't all foreign to me yeah yeah so when does that app release uh so i've been speaking with my developer uh weekly it was supposed to be (laughs) the last week of may uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're hitting some speed bumps. It's a rocky road, but I personally feel like it's all worth it because in the end, yeah. um, this has to be something that is not only educational, but it's also engaging, right? Like yeah. I want people to, I mean, the, the core principle is learn finance in three minutes a day, right? Same thing as doing like, like, yeah, it's short, right? Short little lessons. We're all busy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, a, a short little quiz each day and, and, you know, you take a little bit out of it. So that's, that's the concept. That's pretty sweet. And mm-hmm. I imagine that that would help a ton of people. I mean, I, it's, it's just one of those things like, yeah, so I got my bachelor's degree in accounting. Um, cause I just wanted to learn business. And then I was, I was doing my research and, you know, accounting was like the business degree that I thought I, I could get. Right. that would help me out. But, uh, but yeah. It, and so coming from like that background and being in an, like I worked very briefly, like in an accounting firm, um, and I didn't even, I wasn't even really on their payroll. I just, I just learned a lot from them and was able to work with them and do taxes and, and bookkeeping right. with them and stuff like that. But I learned a lot just like, yeah, 
it's so frustrating to watch people they're like, well, I learned it from this guy on YouTube. And I'm like, ah, you've got to be real careful. There's a lot of good people on YouTube. YouTube got me through my college. So I'll yeah. say I'll get that out there right first. But oh, there's great. also a lot of bad, bad people on YouTube. Dude. Right. You know, and uh-huh. uh, that's crazy, man. That's really cool, though. I, I feel like that product will will help a lot of people. And, and I hope we can uh, we can push that out. Um, so which came first, green grass or visionary literary? So uh, visionary literary used okay. to be just me um, ghostwriting kind of under my own name. Uh, so oh. if, for anyone who may be unfamiliar with the process of ghostwriting, uh, it's, it's basically I am paid by, let's say Dalton is, wants to write a book and Dalton pays me to write the book. And then Dalton's name goes on the book. Right. Mm-hmm. So I kind of I take your voice um, and, and the, the concepts that you give me and I create a book out of it. Um, and then it's yours. Right. So a lot mm-hmm. of business people who are, are busy, um, who want to branch into things like public speaking um, or having a, being a keynote at a conference, these type of things are, um, you know, they're kind of prime clients for having that book written, sharing what they have learned in their journey so that they can save aspiring entrepreneurs or people in their position uh, to, you know, to prevent them from making those mistakes, those common mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, what's funny. I took a, took a, a power writing class. It was mainly geared towards like, um, like emailing or like, and like, like social media, like copywriting, like viral writing right. and stuff like that. Um, but I was talking with the instructor and he mentioned that a book was like a great way to, for like credibility. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. And so, and you mentioned that people who want to get into these, like keynote speaking or public speaking, like a book really propels you that into that field. It does. It helps. Again, it's, it's that credibility factor, right? It's people are still sort of under the impression that like, if you, uh, so self-publishing is, is much bigger now than it used to be. Right. So, right. but people, readers are still under the impression sort of that if you have a book published, you know, something, right. It's not, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Mission Belt. And yes, that's the belt from Shark Tank. Mission Belt isn't just another belt company. They are the belt company. Where other belts adjust every inch, which means they're either too tight or falling off. Mission Belt adjusts every quarter inch, giving you the perfect fit every time. And guys, I got to tell you, I absolutely love, love my Mission Belt. On top of all of that, they don't want you to not only look good, but to feel good. That's why a dollar from every mission belt goes to fight global poverty. In fact, to date, they've loaned over $6 million to people in over 80 countries. So what are you waiting for? Go get yours today at missionbelt.com. Tell them that the thinking project sent you and it'll be as always the best purchase you've ever made. Missionbelt.com. Tell them that the thinking project sent you. And I don't want to bash like, fiction self-publishing, right? But a lot of people look at fiction self-publishing as, okay, John just decided to write a book one day. He didn't edit it. He doesn't care. He just threw it up on there. The cover is going to be garbage. Um, You know what I mean? Like all all the negatives just sort of, just sort of avalanche down. And, and with, with nonfiction, I feel like it's a bit different. Um, Uh So there's just more, like you said, that credibility factor and, and knowing and, your biography, what's on that back cover copy saying what you've learned and what you're going to help with um, is. Yeah. And given like your, your bio, like your, yeah. your re- almost your like resume. two yeah. second resume. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's crazy, man. So 
So how long have you been doing copyright or ghostwriting? So I've been writing for 13 years, ghostwriting for about six. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, it's been. So that's why that's um, going back. Yeah, I, I trailed off a little bit when you asked me the previous question of which <laughs> one came first. Um, but it was it was me just ghostwriting kind of under my own name, uh, my own LLC. And then work kept piling up, which is a good thing. Uh, and then I just decided to start Visionary Literary to um, not necessarily step back from ghostwriting, but to bring on other writers, editors, uh, create more of a company out of it. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's great, dude. Mm -hmm. And, um, so what made you want to take the step into like ghostwriting? Was it just to help those other authors or, cause I feel like even writing just, just with yourself is a great skill and a great way to just make money. You know, if you can, you know, get a good writing thing going on, do, do a good newsletter or something like that. What made you go into ghostwriting? So money. Right. So again, no, I, I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, all I got to say is though, I know those guys wanting to get into public speaking, they'll, they'll pay quite a bit of money if they don't they have will. to do the work, yeah. man. Yeah. They, they'll they do have it. it. <laughs> they have it. So, uh, and yeah, again, it's, it's a good for them. It's a great investment, right? So for, right. for someone like me, when I first got into ghostwriting, I was coming from fiction writing, which was me nights and weekends kind of turning away the keyboard and maybe selling a few hundred copies of a book. Right. So mm -hmm. to me, the idea of getting several thousand dollars to write a book was like, um, I'm throwing cash on the bed and I'm rolling around on it, you know, <laughs> right. um, but for them, you know, a few thousand dollars is, is a really good investment because for, for experienced and smart and successful people, again, it's all about the ROI. It's all about the investment, right? For them, mm -hmm. it's, it's easier to pay someone to write and to quickly turn things around than it is for them to, take time out of their busy schedule and have to learn to write um, yeah. trial and error. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a, yeah. it's a good combination. And for me too, I have learned so much about entrepreneurship, about the journey, about the struggles um, just from these people that have, that have gone through them all. Right. So for me, it's been invaluable as an entrepreneur um, to, to work with some of these amazing, amazing <laughs> people. Yeah, because I'm sure I'm sure it's a pretty like intensive process to do ghostwriting for somebody. It is because they want to get the message out there. Right. I'm sure there's a lot of rewriting. And, and I've and I've I've worked with a couple writers like and I've interviewed a few and I've interviewed quite a few authors. But um, it's just always fun to like hear their their journey. And like, yeah, and that's probably one of the hardest parts is like I was just talking to somebody about this the other day, how like writing was one of the skills that I really wish I would have learned earlier in life. Like, because I just thought writing, like, you know, you go to English class, you know, when you're in high school or something right. and it's like creative writing and fiction and that stuff is beautiful. Like, don't get me wrong. That's art. Yeah. But it wasn't for me. Like, I can't do that. I'm not, right. but, but what I did need to learn was how to like, cause I'm in sales and what I did need to learn was how to like communicate with somebody in writing. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like business writing. Yeah. yeah. Copywriting. Uh -huh. And I was like, dude, I missed that. And so, yeah, now I'm paying for it literally yeah. and figuratively. I'm paying for it. <laughs> well, see, yeah, you're, you're better than, than I am though, because the, um, you know, for all the copywriting that I can do that, that sales knack that you have that person to person face to face communication thing that you are, you know, great. At. I was listening to some of your, your other podcasts and you're talking about books that you've read and, just oh. your journey. And I am, uh, uh, yeah, see, I'm not there. I'm a good copywriter. I feel, 
Yeah. But when it comes to that face-to-face conversation, I still need to read a few books. Well, yeah. And that was the crazy thing that I learned, like, cause sales is just keeps evolving. Right. And what I, and what I learned was face-to-face conversations are great. So there's like three types of selling. There's that face-to-face sales, mm-hmm. there's virtual selling, which happens like, you know, over social and, and things like that. And virtual selling kind of takes into account like this digital selling. So like, how do you write a cold email that people will open? Like how, what's a good headline? Like, how do you get people to actually, you know, hear what you have to say in writing? Because nobody reads anything on the internet. They just skim it. Right. Right. Or, or they, or they just like glance over it. Right. right. Like, like, so how do you get somebody to do that? And, and that was like, dang, I didn't learn that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I got to learn that dude. And, uh, and that's crazy, man. Yeah. Um, so, so you start writing, I mean, and then you, and then you open up, you know, you mentioned you open up this, uh, handyman business. Yeah. Um, what made you go from like copy? Is that, was that just something you wanted to try the handyman business or. Well, so my, my writing was always a side gig up okay. until, up until recently, about a year or two ago. Okay. Uh, it was, it was always a side gig, something I did at night and on weekends because I liked it. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't get enough steady work to, to make it a full-time thing. I have a, you know, a wife and kids and, um, yeah, yeah, I get that. My, yeah. My oldest one's a daughter. So it, it, it's a little more, um, deeper in the pockets, you know, <laughs> I do my first, my first child's a daughter as well. Yeah. I yeah. Get it. I, yeah, I get so, it. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, my, my first, my first gig was actually, it was, uh, it was more of a, a tech thing, uh, like medical software, uh, Okay, so, but it was, it was 100% travel. Uh, as my kids got older, it was, um, the, the last kind of gig, I guess, that I was on was Monday through Friday, flying out of town. And every Monday, every Sunday night, my kids would cry and say, you know, please don't go. So that was, mm-hmm. I mean, at, for, for as, as bad as the turnout was with that handyman company, I mean, I'm, I'm blessed and I'm, I'm glad that I went that route so that I'm not, you know, disappointing my kids, my family, um, for, for all the, financial hardships that were there, I would still be, I was still here with my kids. I didn't have to watch them. Yeah. Even though they cried when I couldn't really take them out for dinner or ice cream. Um, it wasn't the same kind of, you know, it was, yeah, that's different. Yeah. I get that. I get that. I had a job where I worked. Um, yeah, we worked at Honda, we worked for Honda and that was a labor, really labor intensive, you know, gone, gone a lot job. And so it's It's good though. Yeah, 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 it's tough, but it's good like when you switch. Yeah. You know, because oh, yeah. you can be like, ah, there's you realize like what you can put up with and what you can't. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I can put up with the cries of not going to ice cream, you know. Right. I can't right. put up with the cries of like uh I'm still at work, I can't leave. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And I don't know when I can and I don't know when I'm coming home, kind of right. thing. And yeah. especially now, like you have you have two kids, right? Two kids, yeah, two kids. Right. And as they're I mean, you, you're doing your, you built freedom for yourself in your life, right? Like yeah, sporting yeah. events in the afternoon or take the kids <laughs> to school. Like these are some of, and I, and again, I go back to the, all these entrepreneurs that I work with. Like that's one of the main reasons that they get into it is not for, it's honestly, it's not for like, I want to make a million dollars a year. It's just, yeah. I want that freedom. I want to be able to, to have that freedom to, take off it for an afternoon and take my kids to the park or, you know, maybe yeah. swap out some Thursday afternoon hours for a Saturday morning. It's just, 
it's that freedom and, and kind of going back to, to green grasp as well, the financial education, financial freedom. Yeah. That is, it's not really about getting rich. It's just about <laughs> having that mindset where like, I am free to do what I want without worrying about bills. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And it's, it's nice because then you can like really create something beautiful. So like right. you can create your financial literacy app, you can create, you know, a, a ghostwriting company, which by the way, I, I just got to go back to that. Cause that's such a good idea, man. Especially, especially. Yeah. It's a good idea. dude. I love it's it. Like, it's great. You get yes. to meet so many people. I, I wrote, I wrote this on Twitter the other day uh, and I was talking to, I, I, I did a podcast with one of my really, really good friends here in Salt Lake. We went down to the radio station and recorded one. Um, and we were talking about like creating spaces where like entrepreneurs and people who you, who you want to learn from mm. want to be close, like want to join in and you can be close to them through the spaces that you create. So like, Hey, you don't want to learn how to write a book. Totally get that. Right. Writing isn't really for everybody. And he, and you can practice it for five years and really not still not get that good at it. If it's right. not, you know what I mean? If it doesn't click, you know? Right. Um, so why don't you just give it to me and you just tell me all your stories and I'll ask you all the questions right. <laughs> and right. I get to write the book that I don't have to, and learn everything any, and some behind the scenes stuff and I have to pay for it. It's, it's literally the best. I mean, <laughs> I, crazy, I went dude. between high school and I, and four, five years of college. Cause that's you uh-huh. know, in my bachelor's. I was a super senior, but <laughs> between all those years of schooling and writing my first six months of ghostwriting, I learned so much more in those first six months of ghostwriting. And then the, the reading spiral that it takes you on, yeah. um, just learning everything. And, and to go back and, and mention, you said that you could write for, you know, five years and still not be great at it. I've been yeah. writing for since I was, 21. So 15 years now I've been writing. Okay. I just started reading shoe dog, the Phil Knight memoir. Oh yes, yes, yes. The Nike. Yeah. Oh my God. I feel like I need 15 more years of writing to catch up to the skill of the ghostwriter who wrote that. Right. Such such a well-written, well-told story. Yeah. You know, what's crazy is I actually got in, I want, I wanted to start writing just by my, for me, after I read a really good book like that, I was like, holy crap, dude, how do you yeah. write this? And uh, yeah, it is. And I'm, and, and it's cool just to see someone like your favorite authors and what they can do with it. But yeah, but for sure, like Phil Knight and whoever they work, there was more than one person on that book for sure. Cause it's oh, a yeah. great book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but plus, you know, Phil Knight um, for, you know, he, he, he paid his dues. He did his time. He's not going to learn. Oh uh, yeah. Why would you? Yeah, who cares? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he hired, he hired, yeah, he hired a ghost. I don't know. Hey, look, dude, I don't knock. That's the thing is like, I don't know why a couple of years ago, I think it was like, I think it was just had spun off of like some rap stuff, like some music stuff, but like ghostwriting wasn't like ghostwriting was getting like a bad, bad name. Right. And I'm like, but, but like, dude, these guys are artists. Yeah. Like you give them something and they create something beautiful for it. And then you, and then you have a perfect work. Uh, you know, you got, you got something that's great uh, that you didn't have to, you know, that you kind of like, you got right there. You know what I mean? And you let somebody right. do it who loves it. And every, I just feel like everybody wins. I, I don't feel like it's that big of a deal. I, I agree. Like everybody right. wins. And, yeah. In the music industry too, it's not. So all the people that get bad, bad rap for 
for hiring ghostwriters for their music lyrics, right? Like it's yeah. not, it's not like a nobody is right. You know what I mean? Like they, yeah. they started at the bottom, right? They created yeah. their own lyrics. They know. So it's not like, yeah, you know no, what I mean? It's, it's yeah. not like they're a rookie that's just coming in and, <laughs> and collecting these checks based on no talent. Like yeah, they exactly. The talent. Yeah, they had the talent. Yeah. And you just collaborate, dude. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I, I like that. And, mm-hmm. um, and so on your end, when you see these people, uh, get their books written, um, by your, you and your team, mm-hmm. what, what kind what's the outcome of these books? Uh, just to help uh, with that credibility factor, right? Like yeah, grow yeah. your audience, get credibility. Um, and sh- it just, it depends on the client, right? So sure. like I said, some of them want to branch out, um, their, their role as CEO or founder or owner is kind of giving them their business is growing. They have more free time. They want to, they want to actually really just help, right? Some people right. will pay the money just to say, I just want to help the people, somebody who was in my shoes 10 years ago to avoid the mistakes. That's pretty right. common. But again, again, it's, it's, it just, it, it all depends on what the author wants, but for the most you, part, just that, that outcome of like, I did it and here it is, it's presented. Yeah. In a good way, you, you know, because I feel like here's the other thing with like, with some of these, um, with books, especially like, I, I don't know when I read a book, I pick up, I'm like, I really like that author. I'll go grab his other stuff. Right. Um, and sometimes I will, and sometimes I won't. It just depends on. But one of the big things I look for is this idea that, or, you know, like you really get one shot. You know, I you really right. get when you write a book, you really get like, you know, you get that first page, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, you get the title. Like that's mm-hmm. just the world we live in. Like, don't judge a book by its cover. I think it might be a little outdated because I do. Yeah, dude. yeah. <laughs> like I well, do. <laughs> uh huh. Maybe when back before Amazon. Right. When yeah. you had a bookshelf and you're looking, you just grab one. But Amazon, I mean, there are what, a million books published each year. So, yeah, you, got, you can spend just as much time browsing books as you can read. <laughs> well, and my thing is like, I guess I don't judge it by its cover, but I judge it by the headline. I judge it by the title for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Titles. Are, especially especially title nonfiction. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Nonfiction. The title is huge. Fiction. The cover is huge. Whether that's, that's you know. So it could be, um, you know, the title Gone Girl. That's a great one. But it yeah. could also be the cover. Is it mysterious, engaging? You yeah. Know? So do people, this is, this, do, do you help with, because I feel like audiobooks are a big deal. Yeah. You help with audiobooks? We do. We do. Oh, yeah. Wow. So that's, so um, you just give somebody, so do you guys read them or you let them read them or come to a studio or what do you do? How do you do that? It depends. Right. So we, um, we use an exchange of, of readers or I guess like voiceover artists, uh, okay. who, who are interested in, in doing these. Right. So we kind of partner, we collaborate, we send, um, like test samples to the author and they can choose their, their voiceover talent, or if they want to do their own, we can set them up with the proper equipment, the, um, the process, and, and they can read it on their own. Some people like to read it on their own because they know that they're, if they have a very tight user user base or tight following uh, yeah. who knows them on a personal level it might just be more authentic coming directly from them but if not there's an exchange of you know, hundreds or even thousands of uh of voiceover artists who are who are looking for work oh yeah dude yeah I'd, I'd be curious about like voiceover stuff like reading an audiobook i think that'd be crazy man 
because yeah. like that's how I live. So I do. I'm I'm a little weird. I buy the physical copy and the audio book. Oh, I, I do both. I do both because I'll listen to it in the car, but then I'll be like, oh, dude, I want to remember that. And I'll go into my notes on like my phone or something and be like, Chap- we're in chapter five. And then I'll go back to my book and, and reread it and like mark it up and stuff. Oh, nice. That's yeah, it. So- That's good. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do both. Plus, I like it. Like you can see some of the books right up here. Uh-huh. But you can also like, but like, you know, I have shelves of them downstairs. But I, cause I like to like read physical stuff as well. Right. Um, but I'll mostly listen to it. And that's, that was just curious for me because like, it's like audiobooks, physical books, ebooks. Those yeah. are big. Yeah, they um, are. Because so, you can give the, you can give those away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they're cheaper because obviously you don't have to produce them. You don't have to print, but as you yeah. see for anyone who's, who's watching and not listening, um, <laughs> if you can see past the dark yeah, screen, got my own little book I here. like those books, dude. Yeah. So, I, I mean, like there, I want, I want a, a bookshelf that covers my, the whole wall. Um, but yeah. It, in due time that will yeah. happen. But yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm right big on, on physical books. I just like holding that physical book in my hand. Plus, I mean, my, my, as a, as a writer, as a business person, my whole day is spent staring at a screen. So when I get to take oh. a break, I like to, I like the physical pages. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So let me, let me ask you this. Um, we were talking about finance. We're talking, you know, cause you have the app. We're talking mm-hmm. about a few other things. I'm curious what's the biggest lesson you had to unlearn in, in your journey of like finance or, or just business in general? Like what's the biggest lesson you had to unlearn? Limitations. Okay. And that, that's a simple one. Um, yeah. Again, like uh, I'll go and, and this is no offense to my <laughs> parents or any of our parents. It was yeah. a, it was a different age back then. Right. So yeah. for anyone that's in their fifties and sixties, your parents were coming off of the the great depression, right? So nobody could get a job. So landing a job with um, a pension or benefits, that was, that was the goal. Right. Mm -hmm. And and most of our parents tried to instill that in us and my parents too. It was, what kind of job are you going to get? What kind of education, what kind of job, what company are you going to get into? Um, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) yeah. And as we see now, like the whole landscape is changing Um, and, and just, to get out of that kind of limiting mindset of what job am I going to have and into like, just what can I do for a living? What kind of impact can I make? Yeah. That was critical. And once for anybody listening, if you still have, obviously if you're listening to the thinking project, um, (laughs) you're probably you're you're beyond that limitation, but just getting past that first hurdle is so important and so critical. And for me, it was just, it was game changing. Yeah, that's a great point that you bring up, especially about like limitations, because Mm -hmm. a lot of us did. A lot of us put like even even almost like subliminal limitations on on what we can think like, you know, I can't I can't do that or or even like out of like like honor. Right. Some of us would do something like I can't do that because my parents could have never done that. And there there's some like I grew up in the Midwest and there is like this false sense of like honor to your past. Right. They're like, nope, we've always been farmers. We'll always be farmers. And by the way, again, I'm going to step back and say, there's nothing wrong with that. The Midwest is the backbone of America. Right. Um, But I knew, I just knew some of my friends didn't want to do that, but they were bound by this false sense of like honor. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally agree. And and there are people that I've written for too, that 
it's the same thing. And you see that, especially when it comes to people yeah. whose, whose parents are in the medical field or oh, lawyers, yeah. you know, and that, that's, that's yeah. huge because that for decades that has just been like, you've made it right. Like you are going to be financially secure, but yeah. And when, when they go off and, and just <laughs> take risks and, and do the entrepreneurial thing, it, it, it kind of sends parents into a, a little bit of a frenzy. Yeah, for sure. So you've written a lot of books for these entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. You've done a lot with of work with these people. You've built your app. Uh, so instead of asking you what's the biggest lesson you had to unlearn, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned from writing books for these these entrepreneurs and starting your own companies? All right. So this can be a mixture um, for Green Grasp and for Visionary Literary. Is that when um, when Okay. So creative financing, right? So yeah. again, when that limiting mindset, uh, you, you told me not to go to the, what I had to unlearn, but that's um, fine. Go ahead. Man. Do what yeah, you gotta do. It was just, it's forever. The, the main, the mainstream concept is if I need money, I go to a bank, I plead with them. Can I please have some money and pay you interest for it? And when they say no, that's your final option. There are so many different ways. Um, just to to get money to start something new to get an app going or a business going um and it doesn't have to be one of the most important lessons that i feel that that i messed up on at the beginning um is don't don't start a company and quit your job and then think that you're going to make the same amount of money or even livable money right like start with it yeah. as a side hustle right like and that's something that um became pretty clear to me but start as a side hustle and then move it. But just the idea of, you know, the bank is not your only option for money. There are so many creative ways of, um, you know, between equity or venture capital, uh, angel investors, there are. And know, that's, and for your business. Yeah. 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 For yeah, yeah, yeah. For your business. But um, yeah, it's again, going back that limiting mindset. Yeah, man. Well, that's, it, it's true. And I like what you said about, the side hustle. I think there's, I think people try to kill themselves. Like I'm supposed to have this, you know, again, I wrote something the other day that was like, uh, millionaires have their, you know, seven streams of income, but what they don't, but what the, what the financial guru doesn't tell you after that is he's also got like seven different teams. Right. Of like people he's got depth, man. You know Uh what I mean? He's got a bench that helps him do that. (laughs) You know, for you and me, it's side hustles are great and you just do what you can and you work with what you got. And, and I, yeah, there's a list of side hustles that I, that I think are great for people to do every day. Um, and yeah, and, and they're just, and so I really like, I really like that part and you got to be really careful about how you move that, be really methodical about how you go, go through that in your, you know, in your experience with working with this app, um, besides teaching people like the finance part of it, right. um, I mean, is there anything else planned for the app? Is there anything else you're planning on doing with that, like to grow it or anything? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we, as of right now, the app, when it first releases is, is going to be a free app, right? We want to make sure that cool. it's free. There are no ads. We're not trying to, uh, bombard people with, I mean, my, my kids play on their tablets all the time and it's ads <laughs> every 10 seconds, but we just want, we, we initially, we just want to help. Right. But what we're doing yeah. now is we're, um, I'm starting to, to talk, talk with, with partners that we can have a, a plus version of the app that we can 
reach out to those financial gurus, but but obviously they'll be <laughs> but like real ones. Yeah, like real, real. Because real I'm not gurus. mad about I'm not mad about guru. Yeah. I'm mad about the fake ones who don't right. like, dude. You can't teach people that. You got to uh -huh. teach people the right stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I got you. Yeah. So so there's that, and then we also, um, I mean, obviously, as I said before, you know, high school, college. If you don't know about finance, and if you don't know that you have to go out on your own and take those financial courses, learn about personal finance, you're going to find yourself in your early 20s struggling with finance like so many of us do. And then you mm -hmm. think that the only way out is to work more hours, get a raise at your job. Um, so we want to teach like the ideas of passive income and, and those other concepts. Uh, and we'd like mm -hmm. to push that into schools. So my main goal, what I'm really hoping to do is to try to work with the, the education department or just like small little school districts, at least in the area, um, to, to run like a beta test to see if we can help either at the middle school level or the high school level, just start getting these concepts into the minds of, of children at a young age. Yeah. And that's a uh, really important because when you get out of school, you know, you can't, it's a, it's a minefield, man. You get, you get caught up with yeah. credit cards. You get caught up with, um, you know, ba bank loans and car loans and house loans. Like, how do you do this stuff? Uh, you know, right. It's all really confusing and can be really scary. And so, right. It's, and it's, it's, it's crazy. So many of us, it's just like learn by doing it's trial and error. <laughs> and, yeah. and that's, I mean, that can, as we see, like anyone who has a bad credit score will tell you that you can tank your credit score in one month and then it takes you like seven years to get it back up. <laughs> right. right. So it's like we can when you do this trial by fire, learn by doing you, you dig yourself in this into a hole so quickly and then yeah. it takes forever to get out. And it's so mentally exhausting. I know the feeling I had that. Yeah. I had that car repossessed. Right. Like I had the business go under and it's. It, it, you dig the hole and then you're trying to climb on this soft dirt and it just keeps <laughs> like you, it keeps collapsing on you and it's so tough to get out. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely understand that. Yeah. And it's when people just don't, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And so that's yeah. really cool that you, you have an app that that's going to start helping people at least get the basics down, at least start, mm -hmm. you know, earning because, you know, learning because, um, the more that you learn, the more that you start to to dig into these things, like it really is like the law of attraction. Like once you really start wanting to learn yeah. about something, you're like, oh, wow, I didn't know this person existed. I didn't know that person existed. Right. I really like this guy. And there's so many people to learn from that. It's really beautiful that you can kind of curate your own kind of like teachers in real life. Like my, my Twitter feed is very intentional um, of like who I follow because I want to just it's almost like I get to pick my professors. Yeah. You know, I get to pick yeah, that's my a good, feed. That's a very you know? good way to think about it. Yeah. yeah I mean, I'm always learning, man. I, I'm always trying to learn from people who are smarter than me. I, I don't right. want to be that, you know, that, that guy, you know, you have to have someone you're teaching. You have to have someone on your same level that you can bounce ideas off of. And then you got to have people who, who you learn from. And right. so you can kind of curate all that and, and make that all possible. And that's great, man. Um, So I, I'm really, I'm really glad that we were able to, connect. I'm really glad that we we're able to do this interview. Absolutely. Um, so how can people find uh, what, you know, keep up to date with everything that's going on? Uh, 
get updates for when the app's ready to roll? How, how do they find you? So, um, so to find me, I'm, I'm not really that active on social media. <laughs> um, you can, you can on Twitter, um, John J O H N underscore Feldman F E L D M A N underscore. Yeah. yeah. Um, you might find me posting on there once a month, but what <laughs> I, um, that's, that's my news source. So I love to go, uh, early in the morning, I wake up, I go on Twitter on, on the news and just look and see, um, you know, just kind of what's going on in the world. Um, yeah. and, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty fairly active on LinkedIn as well. Um, and, cool. and then for, for the, the app, uh, if you go to green Okay. Um, so it's green G R E E N grasp G R A S P dot tech, uh, you there at the bottom of that website, you can sign up for the newsletter. Um, and, and we'll push out all the updates as soon as it's ready. Uh, we're, we're going to be super excited and we'll push that out. Um, again, hopefully that, that, you know, works out well for, for at least some of the people <laughs> that, that go on there. And then for, um, for visionary literary, we also, it's visionaryliterary.com If you want to go check it out, we, one, one major thing that we want to do with visionary as we kind of get the ball rolling, uh, is we have a referral program. So, I have being in the in the publishing and writing industry for so long, there have been I mean, every client that I've worked with has told me during the first five minutes of a conversation that they have been told by so many people they need to write a book. Um, so if you are one of those people that 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 knows someone and you tell them you really need to write a book, uh, we have a referral program um, that ranges between one thousand and two thousand dollars for for anyone who refers someone and who signs on. Um, and who writes a book for us. The reason for that is because there are so many people who could write a book and it could be so impactful, but they're so nervous. Um, they don't want to, they have imposter syndrome. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, that's a, that's I don't a big have thing what for it takes. Book. Yeah. But we want to help like push those people just to say, even if your book only helps one person, think about what you can do with that one person's life, like how you can change it. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. so many books have changed my life. Um, I just, oh, I, sure. I want more. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And how long does it take to usually write a book like that? So it depends if, if you write it yourself and we just publish it and, and help you to edit and get through that whole process. Uh, it's, it's roughly four to six months okay. uh, for, for full service from, you know, concept all the way to publication and marketing. Um, nine to 12 months is about the typical, typical. Uh, that makes sense. It takes a while to yeah. write a book. It does. Yeah. And we yeah, write it and, and, yeah. and this isn't the idea that I had. And okay, right. cool, man. And that's, that's cover design, marketing. I mean, that, that's, that's everything. Marketing. From, from that's crazy, yeah. man. So do you just have, I mean, how does, how does marketing like that work for books? I've never, so I've always heard like the easiest part is writing the book. The hardest <laughs> part is marketing the book. Right. You so depends. yeah, a, a lot of people, um, if you're writing a nonfiction book, you have a lot of knowledge. People follow you already. So you have that following. Uh, but, but for the most part too, it's just helping with, again, the, the people that, that come to us, our clients are, are busy. They hire, like you said, they have teams yeah. in every yeah. one of these um, businesses that they own. So we're just their team. We're their marketing team. So we'll help with the things they don't want to do. Those social media posts, virtual blog uh, tours, um, you know, setting them up with podcast interviews. Things yeah. like that. We'll just, we'll kind of be there to help them. Uh, we'll, we'll give them, we'll be their, their beacon of light. All right, cool, man. Yeah. Well, that's great, dude. Well, I, I again, I appreciate your time. 
loved our our conversation and uh thank you so much for being here good Dalton thank you so much for for having me I love the show love everything you're doing uh episode 142 keep going man I'm really excited (laughs) to keep listening thank you all right man take care